Private Lender Podcast, Episode 68. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from George Lormer, who said, It's good to have money and the things that money can buy, but it's good, too, to check up once in a while and make sure that you haven't lost the things that money can't buy. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Now the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What might be right for you may not be right for some. A man is born, he is a man of means. Then along come two. They got nothing but the genes, but they got different strokes to move the world. How you doing? Greetings and welcome to the Private Lender Podcast. The only place to be if you're looking for practical tips and advice on successful private mortgage lending, on single family homes and so much more. Look here. Yeah, okay. I had an 80s moment just then, and the kids a break busting in the office with putting the dog up. But anyway, yeah. yeah, I don't know where that came from. I just used to watch Different Strokes a ton back in the 80s, and I just felt the need to torture my audience with that. So anyway, sorry for that interruption. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. If you're looking to take control of your investments and to build wealth without banks or Wall Street by utilizing time-tested methods in this ever-changing digital world, then my friend, you are in the right place. I'm your host, Keith Baker. I'd like to welcome you to episode number 68. This will be the last episode of April of 2019. And I'd like to go ahead and apologize for that long-winded diatribe or tribute to comedian Bill Burr on the last episode. I haven't gone back to listen to it because I, I, well, I'm probably going to be ashamed if I do. But, you know, when you steal somebody's act and try to, yeah, no, I hope he doesn't hear that. But anyway, <laughs> but go listen to his, his podcast. I realize his humor is not for everybody, definitely. Like I said, it's something, it's one of those few comedians that my wife and I both can enjoy and laugh at each other and at ourselves. So, but all I'm trying to say is that that's my long-winded say, way of saying, uh, I think it was too long and I, I should have shaved off a few megabytes uh, file size on that, that uh, last episode. A lot of times I, I really don't know what's coming out of my mouth. Bit of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I admit it. And speaking of my problems, and thank you for asking, I'd like to just say that I have 99 first world problems and I'm grateful for every one of them. And since we're on the topic of gratitude, Today, I am also grateful to have the pleasure of speaking with one of my earliest mentors in the real estate game, one of the first people that I I found and began reading and listening to and, and bought his product and kind of watched him over the years as he's kind of tweaked his investing style and was fortunate enough to run into him at a few industry events and uh, get to talk to him one-on-one. And he and I have done some interview swaps now for our podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about the one and only Larry Goins. And let's go ahead and let's get right down to the, the brass tacks and get straight to the interview. Lender Nation, I have a very distinct honor today to introduce you to Mr. Larry Goins. Larry, welcome to the Private Lender Podcast. What's happening, buddy? How you been? I've been really, really good. Having the blessed life. Living the dream, as they say. How about yourself? Man, just having fun and making money. I'm on vacation. I'm always on vacation. Always on vacation. When I'm doing real estate, I'm on vacation, man. I love it. I've already bought two houses today. And what time is it? One, 12.42? Before one o'clock. Two houses. And I'm drinking my water, as I should be. And he's drinking his 
<laughs> that's right. Staying hydrated. That's good for the skin, good for the cells. <laughs> well, look, two houses. All right, let's just jump right into that. What kind of deals are they? What's your exit strategy? How'd you find them? All that fun stuff. These two came from direct mail. I do a lot of direct mail. I do about 25,000 pieces a month, and I'm getting ready to bump that up to another 12.5. So 37.5 pieces per month is what I'm going to be mailing starting next month. And right now we're doing 5, 10, 15 deals a month. We took the entire month of December off from direct mail, but we still did uh, $88,000 in wholesale fees in December, even though we took the month off. Well, we weren't here the last couple of weeks, right? We didn't market. But yeah, we do a lot of wholesaling. That's going to be my exit strategy. That's primarily what I do. I do some seller financing, some lease option deals. And uh, But right now, I'm telling everybody, stash cash for the crash. I'm glad to hear you say that. Excellent. I was going to ask you, is I know wholesaling is, let me back up the wheels a little bit here. hundred years ago, I signed up for a gentleman's newsletter, but this gentleman's name was Larry Goins, and this newsletter came to me in the mailbox once a month. <laughs> I'm going to show this up for everybody. I still have my ultimate buying and selling machine. Yeah, baby. Book. That's, That's awesome. First piece of education I ever bought from Larry Goins. That was the original course that was based on this book. There it is. Yeah. That was the original course based on the book. And it was a soup to nuts, a how-to, bandit signs, direct mail, put a slap a magnet on your car, wear a shirt, <laughs> talk to everybody. and it, Have a, a scrolling name tag, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I remember that scroll. You even gave that website where you could order it. I remember that. Yeah. Exactly. That was, yeah. So that's, there's a bit of history here. I'm honored to have you on the show and thanks for coming on. And look, you've got an encyclopedia's worth of knowledge. I'm only going to try to just keep it to a few points because otherwise this is a six hour interview and then we both lose out on other business and other deals. So yeah, man, but listen, I'll come back anytime you want me. Oh, great. That's awesome. At a boot camp I went to years ago up by uh, Bush Intercontinental Airport here in Houston. Uh huh. You made the statement that you had a PhD. And you remember the public high school diploma. It's a South Carolina PhD. Oh, South Carolina PhD. <laughs> yeah, but see, you're not from South Carolina, so you got to say it right. I have a South Carolina PhD. That's a public high school diploma. <laughs> diploma. E-R or A-R at the end. Diploma. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Kind of walk us back. How'd you get into real estate? Obviously, you're thriving at it now, but I'm sure at a time that there was just an idea. Take us back. Well, you know, man, I saw an infomercial. You remember uh, Tom Vu? Yes. Yeah, Tom Vu had infomercials back in the 80s, right? Yep. And his infomercials were, you can Google it and you can find him on YouTube. His infomercials were, he, he's this guy who came from Vietnam or somewhere, had no money. His infomercial, the whole infomercial was him sitting on the deck of a yacht with all these girls around in bikinis saying, if I can do it, so can you, <laughs> right? <laughs> right on. So I went to the infomercial. I went to the seminar. You know how the seminar business is. I went to the preview, signed up for the three-day, and my mom and I went, right? This was in the 80s. This was like right after my dad had passed away. My dad passed away in 1985, and this was in the 80s. So my mom and I got into it a little bit. She did a little bit, not much. She was really come to find out she was just doing it for me, right? Mm -hmm. Just to kind of help me out. But I got into it and I eventually got my real estate license. I eventually got my contractor's license. I got into the mortgage business. And then eventually 
the mortgage industry, you had to be licensed. So I had to get my license for my mortgage business. And I'm out of that now. I don't do mortgages anymore except for hard money, private money loans. That's all we do. We used to loan other people's money, but we don't even do that now. We just loan our own money. And not that we have hundreds of millions of dollars, but we've got a decent portfolio. And my wife really manages that. I'm really not in it at all. In fact, she loans me money when I need money. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, You better make those payments on time. Listen, she don't cut me any slack. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> my partner, Landon, the first private loan I ever did for him, he missed the first payment. Oh, no. Like, it was like two weeks later. I said, hey, it's, uh, what day is it? He goes, oh, it's the third. I was like, yeah. What's I due? my money. He's like, <laughs> he's like, my mortgage. I said, no, 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 my mortgage. My mortgage is due. You got to pay me. Ever since then, he gave it to his wife. She hasn't yeah. missed a payment since. It's my mortgage. It's your debt. It's my mortgage. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. It's my mortgage. You need to pay me. So. I love it. Used to lend out and whatnot. And that's something we briefly discuss. And depending upon what state you're in, you have to look at your laws. Absolutely. We only lend in the Carolinas. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a little uh, disclosure there. But it is absolutely something you can do as a private lender. You don't, like me, I, when I run out of money, I'm out of money. That's it. My account gets tapped out. It's loaned out. I don't make it a habit of borrowing other people's money to loan out simply right. because the way I look at it, if I'm going to preach, I demand a first position lien. How can I expect someone to loan me money, not take a first position right, right. and to go back into exactly. it? So certainly ways to do that, but maybe another, another episode. So let's get into what uh, you showed the day trading book. How do you day trade real estate? Well, it's a fancy word for wholesaling. Okay. In this book, Getting Started in Real Estate Day Trading, it even says proven techniques for buying and selling houses the same day using the internet. Back in the 90s, I did my first deal. There was a virtual wholesale deal. And I did this deal before I turned virtual wholesaling was even coined or whatever. So my very first deal, I got a call from some marketing. Somebody was passing through. They owned the house three hours away. They'd inherited it from their grandmother. And I ended up offering them 2,500 bucks, right? They were asking 15000 So, and I'm a firm believer, if you're not embarrassed by your offer, it's probably too high, right? Right. So you got to know how to say it though, so they don't hang up on you. Because if somebody's asking fifteen grand and you offer them 2500 you need to know a little bit about negotiating so they don't hang up on you, okay? So not only did she not hang up on me, she called me back a few days later and she said, Larry, I need some money and I need it quick. She said, if you can give me my money by Friday, I'll take $3,000. Now, this was on a Tuesday, right? So okay. one of the first lessons in negotiating is always make it seem like it's more important to them than it is to you. So I happened to be at the drive-thru at McDonald's or at Wendy's, right? So I answered the phone. This is back whenever I took all the calls from my cell phone. But I answered the phone and she said, Larry... If you can give me three grand and I can have it by Friday, I'll take it. Now I'm thinking, how in the world can I make it sound like it's not important? <laughs> I said, Rochelle, hold on for a second. Her name was Rochelle. I can't believe I still remember that. I said, hold on for a second. I said, I have a double with cheese with no onions and no tomato. <laughs> <laughs> and a sweet tea, right? <laughs> so at that point, who was that call more important to, Right. <laughs> My most Absolutely. important thing was getting lunch, right? <laughs> so I came back to the phone and I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You send me some pictures 
If I like it, I'll take it. So she sent me some pictures. This was way back. She had to get one of those little disposable cameras, send it to the tenant, take it by, get the tenants to take pictures. They mailed it to me. I had to take it over to CBS and get it to film develop, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's how long ago this was, man. I was about to say, for those who don't know, film developing is... (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. You have this little box of a camera. You take it to CBS. This was back before Walgreens, right? Right. (laughs) That's funny. So I ended up buying the property. I sent out some emails to some local realtors, and I said... I'll take $18,000 for this house and I'll pay a $3,000 real estate commission. One realtor emailed me back because everybody else was like, I'll list it for you. I'll send you a six month listing agreement or a one year. No, I didn't want six months. I wanted to own it six hours, right? So one realtor emailed back and he said, hey, for 15 grand, I'll just buy it myself. So about a week later, I get some paperwork in the mail with a deed and a HUD closing statement, sign here, sign here, sign here. I put it in the return FedEx. A couple of days later, I'm looking at a check for 15 grand. I'm like, wow, wait a minute. I just bought this house and I sold it. I never met Rochelle. I never met the attorney. I never met the buyer who was a realtor. I did all my business back then by phone, fax, FedEx, email, and internet. And now we've even eliminated FedEx and facts, right? Yeah. (laughs) And I put all the details of how to do it right here. And in fact, I just recently updated it. This is a new revised edition where we talk about cold calling. We talk about text blasting, RVM, all the different stuff that you use now to market for properties. I was blown away at all the different options you have to market. It's crazy. There's so many different ways. In that course that you have, the Ultimate Buying and Selling Machine, we have 67 different ways to find properties. Yeah. Blew me away was when I bought it. You said, here's a CD, download this. And it was nothing but bookmarks that you already had for the browsers of, oh, you want to look at houses in this county? Boom, here you go. This state? Boom, here you go. Oh, you need this document? Go here. Because of you, I know Upwork and Fiverr. (laughs) That's awesome. Long before anybody even knew what they were. And it's funny, I use them in my day job and people are like, how are you getting that done? And I say, oh, it's my little secret. You know? yeah, you <laughs> I'm like, you just Google search and in 0.2 seconds, you're going to have every VA company, every free <laughs> But back then you, you supplied it as part of your uh, course, which yeah, I thought. Yeah, now it's kind of common knowledge, but way back then, you know, what's funny is what I did was I started getting into internet marketing and learning about internet marketing. All I really did was take internet marketing techniques and related it over to real estate and before anybody else. Now everybody's doing it, right? (laughs) Right. Especially, I mean, the 67 ways and the way that you generated. And you even told me, like, look, you put this big sticker on the back of your car and it generated one lead for you. And I forget you put how much it cost, but how much you made for that lead. Now you had to drive around for three years. But Yeah, if you get one lead, you make 10 grand. Who cares? Come on. $300 for decals and you pull 10 grand. That's right. Listen, I've always said, I'd much rather have 10 ways to find one deal than only one way to have to find 10. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. At what point did you get introduced into uh, private lenders and other people's money? That's interesting because I've wholesaled a lot of stuff. I have never personally actually ever used private money other than my father-in-law, <laughs> right? Hey. <laughs> you know, hey, he still got paid too, right? But I've never actually utilized private money. Besides that, I borrowed hard money. 
But uh, I've always either done wholesaling stuff or finance stuff traditionally, and then either did lease options or wrap or something. But yeah, I have been a hard money lender since the 90s. I started a company called Financial Help Services back in the 90s before you had to be licensed as a mortgage company. And I would do traditional loans and hard money loans, right? We were doing a lot of business. I had this lady come to my office. She used to call on other uh, lenders. And she said, hey, I think she said there's an investor group in town called Metrolinaria. And she said, if I can get my foot in the door, I think I can get some hard money loans. Would you like to start a hard money division? She said, and by the way, have you ever heard of this group, Metrolinaria? I said, it just so happens I'm the president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I heard of it. Exactly. So she came to work with me. And after about six months, I gave her half the business because she grew our business so much. And then she eventually went out on her own. And then my wife went to work for her. And then she got out of the business for a while and then went out on her own. And then my wife went to work for her. And now my wife doesn't work there anymore. She just kind of manages our loans, right? Which is not a full-time job for my wife because it's not like we have hundreds of millions of dollars in loans. She might have, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 loans out at any given time. But, you know, some of them might be $50,000 loans. Some of them might be $500,000 loans, right? Right. So she does, your wife does all the servicing on your behalf for the loans that you've put out? She originates and processes the loan, sets up the closings and does all that. She don't even advertise. She don't want to. She doesn't like it. She doesn't want to go to any RIA groups and market and advertise. It's just when somebody calls her. I set up her website for her. I was about to say, this This has got Larry Goins written all over it. You're just putting this poor woman through all types of <laughs> labor and tribulations it's funny because when I started private lending, I wanted to know every detail, every nut and bolt of the process. So right. I did everything from A to Z and including the taking the payments and all that kind of stuff. Now I have no problem looking a borrower in the eye and say, you're going to pay $20 a month for a servicer because in January, I'm not kicking out any 1098s, right, 1099s. Right. They handle all of it. So the fact that it's funny, I suggest people outsource that type of thing. You are bringing it in-house <laughs> into your family. I love that though. I let the wife work. That's, uh... The good news is, really, truth be told, my wife doesn't really service it. I have two people in our accounting department and they really kind of handle that and they really just kind of let my wife know what's going on. We won't let her listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, cool. You're a big fan of using people's self-directed IRAs, so you're no... Oh, yeah private money at all. You just haven't used it a whole lot. And God, you've been with 30 years at this? Yeah. You know, or, I bought my first house in 1986. If you got any old timers watching, I mean, I'm 58 years old, right? My very first deal that I ever did in 1986, I assumed an FHA non-qualifying assumable loan. It used to be years ago. Now they stopped those in 1978, I believe, but there were still a few of them around in the eighties left before they got paid off. But the deal was, if you owned a house and you had an FHA loan and you wanted to sell that house, your buyer could fill out a one-page document and turn it into FHA. They didn't pull your credit. They didn't check your debt ratio. They didn't do anything. They assumed that loan and you were released of any liability. And that was my very first deal, was an FHA non-qualifying assumable loan. I took over that loan. And I rented that house out for three or four years and I eventually sold it on a wrap and I sold the note. 
<laughs> there you go. There's a couple of exit strategies that you went through here. Right, <laughs> right, right. So your first one was, okay, you, you assumed it, which you're right. Yeah, you can't assume. Well, okay, I guess the closest thing we have today is taking a property subject to the existing Correct. mortgage. Correct. It's a little different. And yes, the banks can call it due. But if, as long as I found that as long as banks are getting paid what they expect, they're usually uh, pretty tolerant of someone else paying the bill. But in the 80s, when oil went to crap here in Houston, and there were a lot of houses that sat empty on our street in our neighborhood, a lot of the neighbors came in and there was one as a single mom. And she said, yeah, I assumed this note is the only way I could get in. She was secretary, had a young daughter and no credit, didn't have the down payment, but was able to just walk, stop paying rent one month. And on the first of the next, she walked into a house. Sure. And she still owns it to this day. That's awesome. FHA is listening. If you want to put those assumable loans back in, we would, uh, us real estate investors sure would appreciate it. Do <laughs> you know what caused them to stop that? I remember my dad talking about it. I can't tell you off the top of my head what stopped it. What would happen would be investors were marketing to people with FHA loans. Investors would assume the loan, right? They didn't have to put up their social security number or anything. Didn't have to qualify. They would collect the rents and not make the payments, right? And it really gave FHA and HUD, which is the same thing. It really gave them a really bad taste. So they quit. They eliminate it for everybody. So it was actually investors that ruined it for everyone, unfortunately. If you want to ruin something, give it to a real estate investor or an internet marketer. (laughs) (laughs) We'll kill it. Easy now. (laughs) It's funny because when I started this whole thing, I told my wife, I was like, oh, it's just going to be teaching. It's just going to be on the video. Boy, was I wrong, man. Like, and I said, I'm going to start the private lender academy. And I got, oh, I was all gung ho. And then somebody sat me down and said, you're going into internet marketing and you're not used to this world. And now the learning curve that I've gone through is I feel like I've got an MBA. I think, I feel like I've got your South Carolina PhD. There you go. Your diploma. We were really, really big in the education. Had at one time we had 26 employees, right? I had a sales floor. They were selling courses and coaching and stuff. And I had multiple books out courses. I was traveling all around the country and we were making a few million dollars a year on the education side. But you know, there comes a time when, man, what do you really want to do? And it got so complicated with funnels and campaigns and all that stuff, promos and products and all that. So now we scaled way down. I don't travel anymore. I do four of my own events a year right in Charlotte, North Carolina. I used to do eight all over the country and I used to travel around and speak at RIA groups and stuff. I don't do that anymore. I quit that back in November. So I don't do that anymore. We just do our own events and we do have people who get our books and stuff like that, but we just have one partner program, which they come in and it's not cheap, but they come in and they partner with me and I help them do their first three deals. And our goal is to get them three deals in 90 days, but they got to spend some money on marketing and whatnot. So yeah, that's kind of what we do now. But even that is because you have people actually doing deals. Like I talked to two students today before we got on this call, right? When you really help somebody like that and you're really working with them and they're getting results, that brings a whole nother level of support and coaching and mentoring because, hey, I got this seller. What do I do now? Yeah. Ours is a true partner program where we do partner with them. They get a third of their money back for each of their first three deals. Plus we split the balance and my half goes to charity. Oh, wow. 
I'm familiar with the model, a new twist and with the charity. And it's one of the things that I've noticed over the years is, yeah, I remember when you were, see, the first time I saw you was at a rich club meeting. Oh, yeah. Late, early 2000s. You were everywhere. And then caught up with you at the Quest Expo back in August. Yeah. I got to say, you looked a lot more restful. You looked a lot more calm. <laughs> just like, all right, we're going to do this. I'm not going to be torn in a million directions. And which is funny because I was thinking like, okay, I need to get to that stage of pulling my hair out, what little I have left. Uh, <laughs> so then I can make the decision. I'm not going to do it anymore. So I'm still on the rise. Well, that one of the last expos that we attended. Now I enjoy those. I go and I see people that I hadn't seen in a while and I get to travel and we have dinner together and stuff. It's a lot of fun because I've met a lot of people and got a lot of friends just like you from all over the country. So that's a lot of fun. And I'm still in a couple of masterminds and I enjoy those. I'm still in Collective Genius and I'm in another mastermind, but I enjoy that. Yeah. Are you going to be at the, the expo this year? Uh, the Quest Expo? Probably yeah. so. Okay. So. I was just on the phone with them. They're, they're having, still trying to nail down the venue, the place oh, that that's cool. can hold enough. Yeah. Anyway, so cool. Hopefully I get to see you again. Yeah. I'll definitely have a table again, and I'll, it's going to be my hometown. I have no reason to say no. I have you don't to. have any reason not to go. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I'll be there. I love Quincy. Oh, yeah. I love those guys. They're awesome. I've got a funny story. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast or not. A couple of years ago when the Star Wars movies came back out, my kids were young. They hadn't seen – they didn't know what Star Wars was, right? So right. we took them – it was that episode seven, I guess, the first or the last. Anyway, so we take the kids to the movie theater. It's like over Christmas on a Friday or Saturday night. Right. I heading out to go home. Want to go hit the restroom real quick. And who comes walking out? Quincy Long from Quest IRA. Now Quest Trust, right? Right, right. And if you've met Quincy, there's no mistake in Quincy. You know exactly who he is. I spotted him a mile away. I said, I want to go say hi to him. Poor guy. I mean, I costed him right as he got out of the bed. I get the towel. He was still right wiping his hands <laughs> you know, with the paper towel. And I'm like, Quincy! <laughs> What's going on? kind of, you know, got taken aback and he just said, uh, yeah, Keith, yeah, well, I hope everything comes out okay. <laughs> and my wife's like, what was that? I go, that was Quincy, you know. <laughs> totally ambushed a local celebrity in my world outside the men's room at the uh, Regal Cinema. So if uh, you've heard it here first. But, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I do like everyone over there quite a bit. You mentioned something, and we're going to get back to your stash cash comment in a few minutes, but sure. FHA and HUD, you also do, you teach students about sourcing homes, houses from, I'm going to back up again. Another distinction that I learned from you is that you buy houses, but you sell homes. <laughs> I remember that. What has more value, a house or a home? Exactly. It's a home does. It's a yeah. house when you're buying, it's a home when you're selling. Exactly. It's exactly it. So you, you teach people how to, to get these HUD homes and HUD houses as well. And yeah, I'm, I wrote a book about it. Yeah. Oh, hey, look at that. Another book. Let me get a screenshot of that there. Right, Robert. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right. Yeah. So HUD kinda, homes half out. Now, unfortunately, there aren't near as many HUD houses as there used to be, but we, we still get some deals every once in a while and you can still get some discounted properties as well. And there's not so many is, is it because of the real estate cycle that it's just that kind of natural? I mean, market goes up, it goes down. In my opinion, we are about right here, right? Okay. Before we start going. Now, I'm hoping we're right here, right? Nice level plateau. Before it goes down, yeah. I hope it doesn't start going down too much until December of 2020. Okay. Why do you have that date? 
December 2007. You're not going to retire, are you? No, when is the election? Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm dense. Okay. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you there. Okay. I got it. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it was back in late July last year. I went to a podcast right. convention in Philadelphia. On the plane back to Houston, there was uh, two gentlemen, probably mid to late 30s. One of them was extremely enthusiastic about taking these townhome plans that he got from a guy who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. And <laughs> they're going to bring it to Houston and they're going to duplicate this floor plan and this guy's business model of building. Right. Downtown Houston, Midtown, that area, the townhome area really went through a big boom 10, 15 years ago. And so I was sitting on the plane and this, and this guy was so, it's going to be great. And it was almost as if I felt like I was getting my hair cut and my barber's telling me that his sister's husband's brother got a hot deal. And so right. I, I came out like immediately and said, guys, I'm not calling the market top. I equate reading the real estate market to reading women. If I can do it, it's long past. <laughs> it's way, way long past, right? And that's I love, it. I, I love it. Yeah, that's when I said. That's for sale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not saying the market is top as of August of 2018, but I mean, my radar was definitely turned on at that point, scanning and seeing, oh, we've got consecutive quarters of Manhattan real estates down, right? Right. Just driving home today to come home and do this interview. There's three new for sale signs in my neighborhood, not on my street, but in my neighborhood. And there's three that are still sitting there from, geez, I want to say well before Thanksgiving. Really? Yeah. My neighborhood's pretty nice, but it's not exclusive by any means. You know, it's, it's definitely a, a middle-class type of neighborhood where you would think that there's enough pool of people, they'd have enough buyers to move these houses. It's slowing down. And so you say stash cash. I like that. I'm saying tighten up LTV and stash cash. So if you are lending, bring your LTV, your loan to value requirements down to protect, to give you more protection. You need to and, be going uh, from six so from 70 to 65 down to 60 as the yep. market turns. Exactly. Right. And that's something that you as a wholesaler intimately well, because you've got to turn around, you've got to negotiate the sale of the house, but then turn around and re renegotiate another sale to get your- Exactly. Bread. When, when did you say this happened? The airplane ride? Yeah. Or the, that was in late July. Do you remember who the football player was with the Philadelphia Eagles? I don't remember the player's name. Oh, okay. You know, my next door neighbor is Sheldon Brown. Get out of town. Yeah, he is. Well, he's not my next door neighbor. He's like three or four or five houses down. <laughs> I'm hold. I'm showing Larry my Dallas Cowboys mug right now, everybody. <laughs> I won't hold it against him because he signed it. It's NFL, but. That's funny. Now, needless to say, the guy's got the biggest house in the neighborhood, right? <laughs> I'm sure he does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> oh, you know what's funny, too, about Sheldon Brown? He's got a sign on the front of his fence. Of course, he's got his yard fence there. It says, forget the dog, beware the owner. <laughs> ah, I like that. that. That's very fitting to a Philadelphia Eagle. I That's know, very... <laughs> right? <laughs> That's good. So back on your, your HUDs, are you using the website for that? Yeah, there's only one way to buy HUD houses. That's at HUDHomestore.com. That's the only place you can buy a HUD house. And HUD is a daily auction. So you can bid on every single house every single day, right? That's what you have to do to get deals because you don't know what day they're going to take it, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to bid on all of them every day. We actually bid, what you want to do is bid on all of them. Like in North Carolina where, or North and South Carolina, you got to bid on every house every day, right? In North and South Carolina. So that's what you want to do. 
because it's a daily auction and all HUDs have to be submitted. All HUD bids are submitted by an agent, not a listing agent, but an agent with what's called an NAID number. Number That stands for National Identifier Number. And just about any agent out there has it, right? It's not a big deal at all. And then whenever you bid, three things can happen. Either you don't hear back and your bid expired because it's a daily auction, or you get a counter, or you get an accepted offer. Now, if you get a counter, there's four things you can do, right? Maybe they're asking 50, you offered 20, and they countered at 30. So if you get a counter, there's four things you can do. You can counter back, you can submit a new bid, you can ignore it and it'll expire, or you can accept it, right? That's the four things that could happen, right? We've bought houses as low as 20% of list price. Now, it's very rare, but we bought a lot of them at 30, 40, and 50% of list price. Interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of little nuances. Sure. You look for anomalies, like look for where, listen, it's the government we're talking about, right? Sometimes they'll list it as a two-bedroom. It's really a three. Sometimes they'll list it as a two-bath. It's really a three-bath. Sometimes they miss up the square footage. They might list it as a 900-square-foot square foot house, but it's really 1,900-square-foot. So you got to look for anomalies, look for mispriced properties, look for what's called uninsured properties. Those need more work, so not near as many people are bidding on them. You want to go outside the MSAs. There's a ton of stuff that's in the book. Interesting. Go ahead and tell us how to get a hold of that book or get more information on. Actually, we'll give away a free copy. You can go to freehudbook.com, freehudbook.com and grab a copy of it there. Wow. Cool. Freehudbook.com. There you go. All right. These links will be in the show notes as well. So just go ahead on over to Private Lender Podcast and you'll have all of Larry's links, social, all that fun stuff. Sounds good. So I like your style, stash cash. And like you said, we're hoping that it flattens out for the next year and a half or so. Hopefully it won't be a volatile correction. My day job is I'm an insurance adjuster for the oil field. So I'm like a vulture. I only eat when something dies, right? Eat what you kill. That's it. (laughs) What I kill. So obviously I don't want to see anybody lose their house or hit hard economic times. But at the same time, I truly in my heart believe that we got to take the medicine without the sugar. We've got to clean out all the trash and then get back what I would consider a normal market. But hey, we're all human. If the humans can do anything well, it's to be irrational. So (laughs) we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. But I'm glad to hear you sound the, uh, I don't want to call it sound the alarm, but let's say make the statement. Let's start hoarding cash because I I want to get to that point where the whole reason why I'm trying to build private lenders is when the banks stop lending, and the hard money lenders figure out that they shouldn't have been playing with other people's money to begin with. Right. There's not going to be any money to go around and keep things going. And that's where the private lenders come in. And I always say, people say, who do I lend to? I know, Larry, you don't use private money, but if you're listening to this, reach out to Larry and offer him an interest rate he can't refuse. There you go. So the next time he does owner finance a house to somebody, you provide the mortgage, first position lien, Larry wraps it, sells it to an end user. And my only caveat with people is when I allow wraps on my money, I just require full disclosure to the end buyer sure. to let them that they don't have a first position until my first position's paid off. As you should. And that's very admirable because a lot of people won't do that, right? That's one of the first questions I find out is it's in my attorney's instructions at closing is I want a document signed by the buyer, the end buyer saying they understand that I have first position until my loan is paid off. 
or they refinance and then they will, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll go back over to them. So, all right, freehudbook.com. Where else can we send people to get a hold of you? Learn more. You know what? I've got what I call an investor's kit. It includes this book, the Getting Started in Real Estate Day Trading book. It includes the HUD book. It includes some other audios. All they have to do is call and talk with Zenobia. Call this toll free number, 877 Larry Go. 877 Larry Go. G O. Nice. Zenobia? Zenobia, yeah. She'll be the one answering the phone. She's from India. So we outsourced that, but she's actually right down the hall. <laughs> <laughs> so she came a long way to get outsourced. <laughs> right. She's the one that came up with that joke. She loves it. You know? That's funny. Well, cool. Yeah, well, I'll put that in 877-L-A-R-R-Y-G-O. Exactly. And we'll talk to Zenobia and get your investor's kit. Larry, thank you so much for coming on today. I've enjoyed it tremendously. Oh, while we're at it, talk about your podcast. Oh, okay, cool. I actually have two podcasts. I have one called Brag, Be Rich and Generous. Candace and I, Candace has been my integrator. If you're not familiar with the term integrator, it's kind of like an operations manager, but she's been with me for many, 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 many years, but she is just awesome, phenomenal. And she and I co-host this uh, show, Be Rich and Generous, Brag, and it's on Facebook Live. So we do that every week and we talk about deal of the week. We talk about what we're doing, all of our, our business. And then I have another podcast called Brain Pick a Pro, where every week I interview another guest just like you, right? Yes, sir. Oh, well, you've been on it. Yep. So I interview another guest every week. So we have two different podcasts. You can check out all of our stuff at LarryGoins.com, G-O-I-N-S. LarryGoins.com. And again... All these links will be on the show notes. And I see you're, drink, you're about drinking. You're almost done with your water, your gallon of water there. So it's time to reload. That's last me half the day. So <laughs> you got a little more to go. I know, right? Oh, cool. I got one last question and we'll sign up. I'm curious. What are you reading right now? What am I reading? Yes, sir. Man, that's great. You know what? I'm old school. I'm 58 years old, right? So I still drive a 2002 Lexus SUV. And there's only one reason I keep that car. Number one, it was the first year that had GPS in the dash. It was the last year that still had a cassette player, right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> so my son and I, every morning on the way to school, we're listening to The Purpose Driven Life again. Ah, okay. That's what we're listening. I've had the book, but I never really kind of went through it. But my son goes to a private Christian school, just a great kid, so... We're listening to that. And he told me actually last night at dinner, he said, I really am enjoying listening to that. It's really cool. So that's what I'm listening to right now. I've got another one that I recently read myself called The Miracle Morning. It's a really good book. Hal El Elrod, right? That's exactly right. Yep. I've got a ton of them. I love Audible. Mm -hmm. I don't like to read physical books anymore. Although you can see, I've got two bookcases here. And on the other side, I have another two bookcases. Then I have one at home, so I'm a firm believer in education. I just don't have a university or a formal education. Now, my wife has three degrees, right? <laughs> but she's not even in the field that she studied for in college, right? Hey, you're talking to a guy who has a double major in philosophy and German. Wow. Okay, and I work in the oil field <laughs> insurance. Well, actually, I did have dinner with an underwriter last week who from Hanover, Germany. 
but my German is so sloppy, so bad that he just he'll say one phrase or respond and say, it's easier if we speak English, yeah? Because <laughs> <It's like, laughs> it is. <laughs> it's just, I know one thing in German. It's second Sie Deutsch. <laughs> Jawohl. Yes, I do. Yeah. Big German. Yeah. That's a very formal way. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Larry, I'm going to let you get back to it. Thanks again for coming on. And yeah, I'll definitely look forward to, I think once we do see the market turn, I definitely want to have you back on and, and let us know what you're seeing over there in the Carolinas. Sounds great, man. I really appreciate you having me. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. And I know you don't need it, but I'm going to wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. you too. Take care. Thanks a lot. And there you have it, ladies and gents. I want to thank Larry for sharing his time and his thoughts with uh, me and you today. Uh, with us, I should say. For more information about Larry or info about his investing and coaching and to find ways to connect with him, please go to the show notes page at privatelenderpodcast.com. And if you can't tell, but uh, having Larry on the on the show was was another huge deal for me, a, a big day for your not-so-humble narrator, I believe is what I said on a, a previous episode, but it, it still holds true here. I do enjoy it. Sometimes it is a grind doing this podcast, but I do enjoy it. I, really, the joy comes from you guys reaching out and sharing your thoughts with me. So please do, Keith at PrivateLenderPodcast.com or go to PrivateLenderPodcast.com and you can connect with me that way, Facebook, all that, all that other stuff as well. You can find links there. And I just want to remind everyone, Especially if this is your first time, please, you've got uh, about 67 other episodes you can go back and listen to, and please uh, do uh, get acquainted. The only price I ask for listening is if you please, if you find any value in this episode, in every episode, that uh, if you would just please share it with somebody. Whether you think they could use it or not, just spread the word. encourage you to leave a rating and review at iTunes or wherever you listen, whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast. Greatly appreciate it. Also, again, really, really appreciate all the feedback that I get. So to all of you listening in Lender Nation, I wish you, every one of you, good health and self-awareness and an abundant mindset. And as always, I wish you safe and prosperous, Private Linden. I'll catch you on the next episode. Hold on just a second. I have to, to acknowledge that draw that I just said with Linden. Uh, so let me just, uh, I need to enunciate that a little better. So I wish you all uh, safe and prosperous, Private Lending. I'll see you guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.